0: Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider. I am Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. It's Monday, December 7th. Notre Dame is 10-0 and 0 and headed to the ACC championship game against Clemson by virtue of their – well, no, that's not true. They already were qualified before they beat <laughs> Syracuse 45-21 to 21 on Saturday. But there's a lot to talk about, Tim. Uh, Brian Kelly, as I said in our incident analysis, there's a lot of meat on the bone with the things that he talked about today. We know that Clemson is around the corner. We have questions on that in segment two. But I do want to talk about Syracuse because um, you know, I I mean Notre Dame offensively they end up they end up having 568 yards toll offense. I'm not sure that it seemed like that much, but so much of it was stuffed into that last three and a half minutes of the the first half because Ian booked through for 252 yards in the first half. Uh, but then they, you know, they gave up 414 yards total offense, they gave up the 80 yard run. Um it's easy to forget all the great things that they did against North Carolina defensively the week before, uh, but a little bit of give. And I just, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to completely give them a pass, but they deserve a pass because emotionally it's really difficult to be ready to play that game.
1: Yeah. It's uh, I'd look at it this way, that Notre Dame is at the point now where when they have a bad start, they end up with 550 yards of total offense, 45 points. Uh, we're nitpicking Ian books interception. for the first time in three months, and, you know, you say, well, Chris Tyree had 94 of those yards. Well, Syracuse got 80 of the yards on one run as well. I, right. I looked at the defense and at watching the film back, I thought they look a little bit like in the second half, they know they have a more important game to play. Especially, and I love the guy, but I thought Kyle Hamilton on the 40-yard run Looked like a guy that was thinking, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna my, I'm not going to target. I'm not going to drill this guy as hard as I possibly can. I'm just going to try to tackle him, and he can't play well, like that. I mean, you, it, you can't no, play
0: but like he, that. but but he should be thinking about that in that exactly. Situation.
1: But that, that does. That's the pass I give them is that at some point they realized they re, they responded when they you know got obviously right. Syracuse is ready to play more than Notre Dame. I'm not I'm not saying that, but then they responded and realized they're going to win the game, and it gets tough to play that sport when you know you have something beyond that game that is
2: very important.
0: No, no doubt about it. And when I, when I re when I watched the game, having been at the game and then watched the game on, on uh, the recording on Sunday, I, I, man, I didn't, you can hear Syracuse right from the very beginning because there's nobody in the stands and uh, they were ready to play. Now, you know, I know a lot of people don't want to ever give Notre Dame a pass when they, when they struggle, but I, I, you know, we've said this all last week, Syracuse is one and nine going into the game. The wake forest game was canceled. It was senior day. You have the ACC championship coming up, and Syracuse was ready to play. And I want—I I want to say this about Syracuse: Tony, Tony White, right, the defensive coordinator for Syracuse. That guy is doing a great job. Now I know the stats don't say it; they're giving up a bunch of points, but they're so young, they don't know how to keep anybody out of the end zone. But they've got players. They got players flying around to the ball. They got players that are that are uh, playing physically. They have a three-three-five defense, which gives them some flexibility to do some different things that you don't normally see. Tony White's a name that I think people need to keep in mind because I think he's doing a great job with the individuals that they have on defense there because they are very, very young.
1: Yeah, just all those freshmen. I mean, they make plays, and but as and you they said, give they're going to give, give them <laughs> up too. And it's they'll just be better off next year. Um, I, I really thought that Syracuse came to play. Um, clearly, we were a little sucked in by the bad we've seen, but I think back to... I'm watching Syracuse ahead of Clemson with Trevor Lawrence for a while. They have the ability to play at times. I don't know what that means overall, but I think it means they're young probably because I don't know how that team loses 30 to nothing to Louisville um, and and can play NC state, Notre Dame and Clemson with that much competitive fire. You'd think competitive fire would have come against Louisville, but you know what? Human nature probably didn't allow them to be up for the Louisville game like they are Clemson and Notre Dame. That's the way
0: it goes. Exactly. And I think Tony Dungy brought up a great point. I thought that, the way Syracuse attack tried to attack Notre Dame with their offense, I mean, it was it was get rid of the football in less than two yeah. seconds, throw the ball underneath, put the ball in the hands of Taj Harris like they always do, and see if he can make a play. It's just against Notre Dame's defense, it's a little bit more difficult to make a make a play. Uh, but Notre Dame did give up 414 yards. A lot of that, uh, 120 of it, was on two runs. I thought Notre Dame's pass defense was fine. They kept the ball in front of them, and and that was fine. Uh, the third down conversions, though, I mean, Syracuse came into the game terrible on third down conversions. Nording's defense was two, uh, held North Carolina two of 12 the week before. And then Syracuse converts five of the first nine. So I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers out there, but that well, we deal with numbers and, and they were a little bit skewed.
1: There's one more number, though three on one drive and it got him a touchdown. I mean, that was a nice, they did two wildcat conversions on one drive against right. Notre. When does that happen against Notre Dame and recently, right. in the Clark Lee era? The two wildcat runs you are going to move the ball against that defensive line. So it was a unique day. I I, I I, do give a bit of a pass because I know what Notre Dame was thinking that
2: whole game.
0: Absolutely. Come I mean, on. come on. If you don't – if you never give Notre Dame a pass when they play poorly, then you're – I mean, you're just being a blockhead about it. Come on. I mean, it's – human. we watch football every week. You don't ever see a really good team struggle? Come on. I mean, that's ridiculous, and the circumstances dictated that. I'd say that's a much better than a one in 10 Syracuse team. And they were ready to play. If you, you have to give credit to the other team and you have to take something away from Notre Dame, because emotionally it was very difficult for them to be ready to play. a Great and-
1: game. And to build on that, I saw some people on the board say, "Man, Virginia Tech's giving Clemson all they can handle." It's like, yeah, well, it's probably another, it's probably a reason for that. There, yeah, well, I mean, Virginia right. Tech, first of all, is a good offense. But what do you think? Clemson was yeah. one thousand percent dialed into Virginia Tech, or and no? at
0: that point, I was watching the game, and it turned real, real quickly.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes, yeah. you, you I mean, know, Trevor Lawrence now running the football. We'll, we'll address that in the second segment with questions about that. But, uh, um. Yeah, you know, I mean, Javon McKinley, what, what, a, what a tremendous 50-year senior for uh, senior season for him. Seven catches for 111 yards. He gets the three touchdowns. Ian Book, you know, with his feet, with his arm. Book had 250 yards passing at halftime. He barely threw in the second half, yeah. eight or eight times, I think it was. Uh, and, he, it may, you know, it was pointed out to me, I, I probably overreacted somebody in a message board about that, that, that Book was inconsistent. Well, he threw for 252 yards in the first half. I mean,
2: he just didn't uh,
1: seem as sharp as he did against. No, but no but, mean, when you, was, no, but when
0: just you're just, rolling to your left at, at right. full speed and mayor mayor's open 25 yards down the field, it's difficult to throw an accurate
2: pass. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. Ian book is playing great football. Maybe it wasn't quite as great and consistent as the previous three games, but right. you know, if we're only going to examine the negative plays, well then we expect him to complete every pass he throws.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's no question that, he probably reached the point now where we're nitpicking him too much for, for what has become a great senior season or fifth year senior quarterback. Um, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good quarterbacks wait out there. So, That's probably why so. they watch Mac Jones drop touchdown passes yes. against LSU. And it just seems kind of easy every once in a while, but it's,
2: it, it's not always that easy.
0: You know, um, I, I wrote about this today, Tim, in the uh, tale of tape, Kyron Williams he surpasses the thousand yard mark. He had, he had to, all 20 carry you need all 20 carries in order to, to, to do that to get to 99 yards for the game but he is averaging more than 18 carries per game which is the most of the brian kelly era um josh adams averaged like 15.7 in 2017 sierra wood was 16.6 or something along those lines in 2011 but kyron williams is the most active in terms of carries running back in the brian kelly era plus 24 receptions. Plus yeah. How many how many pass blocks, pass protections? I mean at least another couple dozen more on the season.
1: I think he's made it now where he has two week breaks in between every game, even if they play uh, right. for the championship, yeah. he'll have till have ten days or, or a little bit of extra time. What at, a at warrior.
0: I man, you just gotta yeah. love everything about the way that kid is wired, the way he you know, the way he believes in his offensive linemen when when we're at when they're at the game in the press box, you see his communication with the offensive lineman. I know they showed on TV at times as well, but what a warrior, right? You know, and it, and he goes into next year, what, with four years of eligibility. Well, you hope you get two, yeah. you're not going to get, you're probably not going to get three more years of eligibility out of
1: him. And I don't think a running back should. I talked no, about, no. I, yeah, I, I talk about this on our message board. I, I, I really think that next year is his last year at Notre Dame. because well, that's
0: That's a possibility.
1: If he has this year again, which he probably won't. Um, Notre Dame's offensive line will be better in 2022 than it is in 2021. So maybe he will need that at that year. He's not coming five years and no one good should at running back to I mean, Tony Jones struck for crying out loud. You have to do it.
0: Right. That's my concern that he only will be here one more year as two more years. He'll be a senior academically. And you can, you can understand that completely, but uh, no, he's been great. And Chris Tyree, it's good to it. The things that Brian Kelly says about Chris Tyree in terms of, um, you know, just handling the rigors of the season of a, as a freshman, both physically and, and emotionally, is very promising, along with some of the same things he said about Michael Mayer.
1: Yeah, they got him. They got Tyree <laughs> to this point, too. Right, This is where Tyree, you should be looking at him and thinking, uh, they got to have to. He's not the same right now. They're going to have to shelve <laughs> that. But they have used because they use Kyron Williams so much. They have gotten Chris Tyree to the finish line. And I, you know, they they really haven't done it yet in a big game. Um, SIBO Flemister is obviously now healthy. I I like him for five to six carries against Florida Absolutely. State, but you're, you're, you're taking mm-hmm. away that pass protection and and what.
0: No, but I still I, I still want to see. Yeah,
2: it gives I you. Mean, a break. I still
0: kind of want to see Flemister get more carries than Tyree. I know that that's not a a popular opinion, but it depends upon the situation when right. he gets those carries. What you need, uh, I still think that SIBO Flemister is very valuable. Uh, to this offense anything else we want to cover in segment one
1: and then unless we're going to go through uh next year's quarterback play we have a question well, we,
0: about that i did not um now because yeah we do have a question about that i do want let's go over the injuries so we don't have to you know the stat we, we talked about brendan clark with uh did we talk about then this or is that nope, a, it's I didn't an analysis? Know?
1: So the, the news <laughs> on brendan clark is uh that right knee brace is Probably keeping him up. it's It seems to us that he will not play football the rest of the season though in terms of Brian Kelly's tone that they're going to go into the off season with either cleanup or a further procedure on an ACL he tore in high school.
0: Now, I don't know if that goes into, I mean, are we talking about an AC, a, a a typical ACL surgery again? Probably not, right. right. But anytime you're dealing with ACL, you know, it's a little bit different than than meniscus, right? So um, he was
2: not involved in.
1: Warm ups, other than being there and being dressed,
0: right. And that was not point. The reason a lot of people are asking is because it was not pointed out on the TV broadcast,
1: right. You and put so it all on the Irish yeah. Illustrated message board, you could have seen that. However, there was well, there. you have, have to, to be
0: it. subscribed. Yes. <laughs> you have. I'm going, and I'm going. We have questions in the second segment. I'm going to point out the people on Twitter who should be subscribing because you would have in, you have you would have knowledge of some of these questions 48 hours earlier if you were subscribing to Blue Gold. So that's my pitch for the day there, but. Um, Bauer and Hayes, that, that collision there that looked a little bad. Uh, Brian Kelly said Bauer's was a contusion. I believe it was ankle lower leg from what I could tell because it looked like Hayes fell on that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then Hayes, you thought it was a hip. I, I thought he got hit high on the – the. I
1: he was kind of favoring the hip above there, but it's, hey, I, I'm just glad it wasn't it looked bad, like a bruise to life. me too. <laughs> I thought it was two guys smacking into each other live. That looked That looked
2: brutal.
0: Yeah, not as brutal as Matt Salerno's. Yeah. Shot to the shot to the top of the face mask helmet. Yeah,
2: that he's fine really as well. But you only have
0: to, have to, he is to be fine. to well. know he's
1: fine because he announced yeah. it. That was, <laughs> yeah,
0: and then it, you know, as far as the, the the offensive line, we do have a question on that in the segment second segment. So we'll address that as far as uh, Zeke Corral, Corral and Josh Lugg and who's going to play center against Clemson. That's a decision that has to be made. We'll address a whole bunch of things, including the Clemson Tigers in segment two coming up. Today's Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast is sponsored by ShelbySweats.com. Shelby, at Shelby underscore sweats on Instagram, is a certified personal trainer and online fitness and health coach. Shelby offers one-on-one coaching to provide her clients with custom fitness and health plans at work. Shelby uses her own 60-pound weight loss journey to help clients look and feel their best without over-exercising or restriction. Her fitness methodology combines strength training, cardio, yoga, boxing, and functional movement and flexibility. For a free 30-minute video chat consultation with Shelby, fill out a form on her site, shelbysweats.com, or an email to shelbysweatstraining at gmail.com.
1: We are back with segment two, Burning Up the Boards, and we're going to start with a quick question this morning from Twitter because it caught me off guard, Tim. From Jack Sacco, what happens if, God forbid, the ACC title game is canceled because of COVID?
0: Nordham goes to the playoffs.
1: And Clemson, Clemson does go to the playoffs.
0: I, I would I mean I would assume. I, I don't know what what are you going you you couldn't penalize them for it.
1: I No and you can't play on the twenty sixth, right before they have to play a playoff no. game either. No.
0: So
1: it won't happen. No. Notre Dame, by the way, uh ten minutes ago had zero again coming out with uh their, their COVID numbers, testing yeah, zero. Let's
0: let's I mean let's I don't even want to think about that. Let's hope Clemson does as well and we have a great game in, in Charlotte. Kenny Covington won the run defense stank against Syracuse. Is this a red flag moving forward? Was Clark Lee distracted by the Vanderbilt job? Basically, is Travis Etienne licking his chops?
1: I'd say yes, it did stank. Uh, <laughs> but we, we, we kind of detailed the reasons why. Uh, I don't think it's a red flag moving forward at all in a game where Notre Dame will be completely focused with Clark Lee being focused on Clemson for two weeks. And Travis Etienne is not licking his chops. But he will have a better game than he did last time. Because,
0: yeah, I'm sure uh, he will. Did the North Carolina game not happen? Did that?
1: It's, did so the game not the, happen? Yeah, that was yeah. That was yeah this right. Uh, they <laughs> um, did. They, they did not play well. Um, but we talked. Well, about they gave
0: up. Yeah, you know, you can you can make stats work any way you want. But two runs accounted for 120 yards. The rest of the runs were 3.3 yards per carry.
1: I feel like though, Tim, the 40-yard untouched touchdown run was something a real wasn't live gameplay as opposed to like the Tyree. I
0: agree.
1: That. that like Tyree's 94-yard run skews things, too. But they still had plenty of yards in the game. But that 40-yard touchdown run was a real play. Like, that was part of the game. Notre Dame was winning. They were going to win the game. But you still got to make
2: those plays. Yeah, no,
0: no doubt. No doubt. And Sean Tucker had a little bit of burst there. He's yeah. a pretty good, pretty good freshman running back. No no excuse for that one. Right. The 80-yarder late in the game. I get sloppy. Uh, right? Bracey and, and Houston Griffith is getting sealed off. Um, Bracey got pushed and that was that was the end of that so I mean that was just a that was just a bad play but you were you were at about 40 yarder but I mean otherwise they they did a, a pretty good job and and they're not going to approach Clemson the way they did Syracuse's running game they're going to approach it the way they did North Carolina's running game and I have no doubt in my mind that they'll be on top of their game but I also have no doubt that Clemson's going to do some things with Travis Etienne that's going to get him in space and he's going to have a lot better game than he did last time, which is what, you know, Brian Kelly's, we didn't get into this, but I mean, Brian Kelly's point about rematches. It's, you know, it's more about physicality, playmakers and fundamentals. And he talked about rematches. I thought it was a good question about rematches because he dealt with that at Grand Valley State. And he said there's a tendency in rematches that the game is a little bit more um lower scoring.
2: I hope he's right.
1: I hope that game is lower scoring. And I don't mean I, if Notre Dame can keep that game where I thought it would be played the first time in the mid 20s and you know some, maybe somebody gets a 30. I think that bodes well for Notre Dame. Um, yeah,
0: that part hasn't changed. You still want a lower scoring game against Clemson. Yeah.
1: Next one from Welch Brian 11-12. Do you have any concerns with Jonathan Door's inconsistencies?
0: Yeah, I, mean, I I mean the concern is that he doesn't get, get to kick field goals very often. And, you know, I mean, it just makes it difficult. And, and, and let's again, put this in perspective. He missed a 48 yarder at Boston college, the 42 yard or the 32 yarder. He missed against North Carolina. He was impacted by the guy that came off the edge cleanly from his right side. He's got to be able to ignore that, but it was still somewhat of a bust on the edge. And then the 50 yarder, I mean, it's a 50-yarder against Syracuse, although it never came off his foot correctly.
1: I'm concerned about every kicker that isn't automatic, and right now he's not automatic, so I'm a little concerned. Yeah,
0: no, but I agree. I agree. Every I mean,
1: kick right now is the biggest kick of the rest of his life,
2: starting right now. So that's
1: can
0: a you imagine? I know he kicks extra points, but that's such a gimme. Can you imagine that? I mean, you only get a chance to perform like once every seven days, like what, like literally one time on the field every seven days.
1: You know, I don't know what I want his first kick against Clemson to be because I think they need touchdowns, not field goals, <laughs> in the first quarter. But uh, how about to try and take a 16 point lead this time at the half on a 32 yarder for his first field goal? That's that's a nice one, right? Just sit yeah, back, gotcha. give it a shot. Yeah. Right, uh, 40 I'll get this one, Tim. rydan Forty one is Javon McKinley now an NFL draft pick, and is Drew Pine now the number two QB? Unrelated.
0: Yeah, un- unrelated. I think clearly Javon McKinley is a can be impactful in the draft. I don't know how far his career uh, continues in the NFL. Um, but I would, I would say that, you know, as far as the question of, of Drew Pine, uh, again, I, I encourage our our uh, Twitter followers and, and listeners of our podcast to subscribe because you would already know that Drew Pine is, well, I guess he is number two now, but it's because uh, Brendan Clark uh, has an injury. And we yeah. dealt with that. You wouldn't have known that forty eight hours ago. If we you need. A, we
1: could use Notre Dame fans could use a healthy Ian Book for the next three games.
0: Yeah, and it, it we got into this a little bit in the uh, in our instant analysis, but people have been asking about a grad transfer quarterback. If this is if this is anything long term with Brendan Clark, um Notre Dame. Either way, probably Notre Dame has to look at the the grad transfer uh, situation at quarterback. Yeah, I know ahead. Tom. Lewis, Knowing Tyler Buckner, of course, is coming.
1: I, I know Tom Lewis has been probably told a few times that they're not looking. Um, but I think that's changed with Brendan Clark's injury, because if you're cleaning it up, you're still hoping after you clean it up. If you're doing more than that, you absolutely need a third quarterback in the mix. Um,
0: You've got to have three healthy quarterbacks going into the season. I know
1: four is, a, is
0: pretty unrealistic in this day and age because it's so easy to transfer, but
1: this is you, a, have to you have to have three. It's, it's, I know it's a different room than offensive line and running back and everything else and feelings get hurt and playing time is seen as lost forever, but that's life at Notre Dame. It's a big program. You need to have quarterbacks to get play and if somebody's offended by him
2: coming in. Probably so would have started anyway, right?
0: Yeah. Kay Beasley, Braden Lindsay didn't look in sync versus Syracuse or this season. you try to incorporate a specific package for him versus Clemson or just continue with what's working?
2: I think, Tim, I
1: read your tail of the tape on this, and I wrote about it, or am writing about it in Monday Musings. I'm going with the latter. Every jet sweep, little look screen, slant, crossing route, drag route, anything like that is Chris Tyree, Kyron Williams for the slants and stuff like that from the slot, and uh, Avery Davis for me. Brayden Lindsey can go deep um, uh, or or run a deep comeback or something along those lines. I get it. He might draw enough of a cushion because he's been on film. Venables to know all about him uh you might be able to take a shot but i do not involve him in the quick game the run game or any of that unless he just is looking great in practice and he can't put it together right now i mean we don't see that but what i see out there is a hesitant player that just hasn't yeah, he
0: was tentative yeah. he was tentative against syracuse and you know and, and the same way with lawrence keys i i, I want to hear all about these guys in 2021 right and i, I don't mean I i don't mean january 2021
1: that's fine if they do something on January tenth or whatever it is. That'd be cool
2: too. But I, well,
0: yeah, but I just don't think that that's realistic right now. They both need that. They they need that. You know, Lindsay needs to be the old rocked up unit that uh, Charlie Weiss used to talk about. He need that's what he needs to be, and Lawrence Keyes has a long way to go physically in order to be a, a consistent physical contributor to the program moving
1: yeah, forward. Yeah. Coffee dark roast. Tommy Kramer had to come in early in the second quarter. Was that because an injury to Dylan Gibbons, or was the OL not doing well? Looks like Gibbons came back into the game. Was that because Kramer was injured, or just more reps for Gibbons? Uh,
0: again, love your name, coffee, coffee dark roast. You need to subscribe to Irish Illustrated because you'd have this information by now. But um, I, you know, I thought I wrote, I said Gibbons was serviceable, and it's because, I mean, as far as. Vertically, he just is not very mobile, and he did fine. He did fine as a pass blocker, and he's strong at the point of t- attack as a run blocker. But Brian Kelly said he thought he played really, really well, so that 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 bodes very well.
1: I was I thought he had a nice first series when they kicked the field goal, and then also. There was a run where where Kyle Williams got stuffed because Eichenberg lost his block. Eichenberg lost two blocks in the first three series of this game or four series of this game, which you just don't see this year. I thought Gibbons had his guy pretty well controlled at the second level, but I was waiting to see Gibbons make a mistake because of Kramer coming in. But I think Tommy Kramer. I think now we got to take Brian Kelly's word for it. Tommy Kramer was ready. He said I want to play, <laughs> and the Jeff Quinn said, "Okay, well I'm going to put my best right guard." Right, but,
0: and he, that, I was going to continue that. He came in in the second series in the second quarter and played. Well, was on the field for the 21 points that they scored. Right. Uh, you know, down the stretch of the first half, but he was ready to play. I mean, he had he had basically a laparoscopic, I believe it's pronounced uh, surgery for the appendectomy, and he he was ready to play. He wanted to play on Senior Day too. Yeah. And Brian Kelly didn't want to wait till the second half when it got cold. So they pulled the trigger in the second quarter and he played, but Gibbons did fine. Uh, Kramer will be back in the starting lineup and it'll just be, it'll come down to a decision at center.
1: And to give Gibbons one break on this one, um, just because other players have said this, and I think he did fine as well, but he also is a left guard usually. Right. I mean, he's, he, that's where he has trained all year. And he, sometimes it's not, he, i mean, your first game, your first start ever you're popping the other side. You have to see things a little bit differently. I thought, yeah, when, when he came in, I thought to myself, I must have missed something that Gibbons did wrong. Right. Because it wasn't glaring. But it was no, a that I was
0: like, – like, I think both of us, each of the last two weeks, you're trying to watch center-right guard upon the snap yeah. of the football because it's it's so important. Right. And I yeah. didn't think he played poorly. I just – he doesn't look real mobile laterally. Uh, but he having a really
1: good year, and he was ready to go. Is what it comes yeah, down to, is yeah. Tommy Kramer's ready.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, you know, kudos to Dylan Gibbons. It's yeah. your first start. He played fairly aggressively. I don't think he played as aggressively as Corral did in his first start for North Carolina, but I don't know all of the blocking responsibilities in, in each individual play. So um, no, he did fine. They've had depth. I, that's why I wrote about on the tape that they, they've, they've gone eight deep and they've done pretty darn well doing that. Jim underscore Booney CRS. Did Lug play poorly yesterday? Thought I saw him whiff on blocks more than a few times. Uh, that of course is written on Sunday.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think he played poorly. I think it's just
1: he's a right tackle and a right guard playing center. Right? It's just not an easy. You're going into your depth here, man. He's a better right tackle than he is right guard, and he was a right guard against North Carolina and a center against Syracuse. That is with a hand injury.
0: <laughs> and a, and a, I mean, a, again, I know that Notre Dame's not talking about it, but there was a there's a back situation. He's a yeah. six foot seven guy now, and 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 but it's a legit point because some brought up you know, six foot seven center. Well, I, I, you know, I think that they like a veteran guy that's been in the program and is going to know what to do from that position. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what happens uh, in Clemson. We do have another question about that, right? Okay. Yeah. Let me jump ahead of that. Irish John M. Who do you think is the starting center against Clemson the ACC championship game?
2: Corral or Lug? But if I have to guess, I'm guessing Lug because if I know Carell could not play two days ago,
1: so can he play in good health enough to beat Tyler Davis now back and
2: Clemson? I don't. I
0: don't know. It's tricky, but it's a high ankle sprain. I, I I can't imagine he was not ready to play Saturday. I, I know it was suggested that oh it was precautionary. It wasn't precautionary. He 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 was really limping around. He had a high a high ankle sprain that he suffered late in the first half against North Carolina. There was some uncertainty as to whether he could continue to play with it. He did in the second half against North Carolina, but you can imagine how he's felt, you know, in the week after that. So I, you know, I don't, they have Tuesday off. They're going to practice
2: Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Friday, Saturday,
0: Saturday. uh, contact on Saturday. So, I mean, we'll see the answer to the question is, We'll see. We don't, I don't think Notre Dame can answer that question right now either.
1: No, that that's the best point is Notre Dame doesn't know yet. So I'm definitely guessing. Indy <laughs> underscore Yinzer. How would you rate Tommy Tremble's chances of coming back next year over or under
0: 60%? I would say over at this point. And, he, say- and he just has not, I mean, you saw what I wrote about that. I mean, yeah. he hasn't caught the ball well. Now I realize. I don't think it's the same thing that Jonathan Doerr only gets to kick a field goal every now and then. And and Tommy Trumbull, uh, you know, has had trouble catching the ball, but he's dropped the football on some short passes. He had one reception on Saturday, and he had to double clutch it.
2: I and don't it was know a perfect,
1: perfect pass in stride yeah. while running, and a- absolutely, you and you couldn't get yeah. hit because the sideline was there. There was like literally nothing other than catch that ball.
0: So I don't, I, you know, as well as he's blocked, and he's been an absolute beast. I mean, as as fine of a tight end blocker with that type of speed and agility that oh, we've yeah. seen at Notre Dame. Just, yeah, he's just, had
1: a great year, but he should come yeah, back. And work no, he's
0: got to come back. I mean, what? Are you, how are you not? How are you going to get drafted? There's just not enough on tape to be drafted. So that, from a Notre Dame standpoint, that's a good thing. I'm sure Tommy Trumbull had hoped to play well enough, you know, to go ahead and move on to the pros. But I just don't think that there's enough out there.
1: No, I, I, and I get that he wanted to make that impact and. <laughs> created a name for himself with an amazing niche as a blocker, but he has yeah. to become a more complete tight end. And coming back next year, he and Michael Mayer will both log 500 snaps and play. There won't be a slot receiver necessary, although if Avery Davis is back, he'll play too. But it'll be the same same situation next year with those two.
0: Question from Statman72. We all think the offensive line has performed very well this year. How much of our favorable impression should be credited to Kyron Williams's blitz pickups and Ian Book's? successful scrambles. Have we overrated the offensive line as a pass blocking group?
1: I don't think so because in good health with Jarrett Patterson there, they I mean Kyron Williams is outstanding against Clemson, so I may be defeating my point here, but that's a heck of a, of a defense to uh, to handle that they did in Clemson and a defensive coordinator as well in Venables. Um, right now, if you were to say is Nordian still the best offensive line in the country, probably not without Jarrett Patterson. How how could they be? Like how could they be? Why would you be the best offensive line when you take out a very important cog in the middle of it, and it's a really hard position to replace?
0: Who is who is playing? I think I think great football. That's my that. When you talk about Nord and Clemson, let me jump ahead to that because we will have questions on Clemson without Jarrett Patterson and Tyler Davis. If you saw Tyler Davis play against Virginia Tech, I mean that guy is a beast. That is he is a huge impediment, and that's. You know, whether it's Lug or whether it's Corral, I think Corral can physically hold up. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Lug has the technique, uh, especially not having played center to go, uh, to be really overly successful against Tyler Davis. That matchup I think is one of the biggest concerns. When you talk about a rematch, Um, you know, I, I, Tyler Davis is a, is a huge, Reinsertion back to that defensive line for Clemson. As Psycho far as that, 30. well, let me. I just, you know, I mean, the offensive line to finish the thought on when Statman seventy-two two's question. I mean, when when they send more than five, or yeah, I mean, when they send more than yeah. five, um, you need your running back to to pick up blitzes. I'm not sure that's the offensive line's fault per se. It sure is great having Ian Ian Books awareness now in and around the pocket is really exceptional. It's huge. Yeah, to I mean, I,
1: it's definitely part of it. Book and, and Kyle Williams help it, but as you said, they, they they do their job as they do their job as well as anybody. It's just they've they aren't as good as they were a month ago, would be the right. way I would probably right. I would agree. Yep. Psycho 3848, I know this goes back before your time with Notre Dame, but isn't Ian Book and Joe Thiesman a good comparable? Having seen all the games of both QBs and looking at his senior stats as well as physical stats, I think yes.
0: You know what I'm gonna say. I do remember Joe Thiesman. Yeah, Unfortunately, say, I'm so.
1: <laughs> Maybe he knew I was going to read
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm so old that I do uh, remember Joe Thiesman's game. I wasn't, of course, working uh, professionally covering that at that stage, but I, I do think it's a very comparable uh, comparison. I don't know that. I mean, Theisman didn't run as much as Book does. Uh, I don't. I think the numbers kind of prove that. Although he was over a thousand yards in his career rushing. But I think I do think it's comparable. Both very elusive, both very nimble. Um, I hadn't really thought a lot about that, but I think it's a very good comparison. It's interesting to look at stats back in the day then, because as great as everybody Joe Thizman was, and everybody remembers Joe Theisman, in his career he threw 31 inter 31 touchdowns and 35 interceptions.
1: That is Not nuts. That's the way um, the
0: game was then.
1: It is though. Yeah, they threw the ball down, though. There was none of the throw there weren't, there weren't horizontal throws. It's those that really would have been an extension of the running game. <laughs> it yeah. was like those throws were part of it. I mean, you just threw the ball down field more and that evolved with the, with Bill Walsh and everything. But so Jack Freeman knows who I'm going to say here, but two years ago, game number three of his career, Ian Books still to this day reminds me of a 49ers scrambling quarterback named Jeff Garcia. No, I agree with that, too. Is, even the way he throws where he puts his whole body into the throw.
2: The mannerisms. The
1: throw, it, 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 everything about it, all the mannerisms, and the fact that he's so good with his legs that I don't think he would be that good of a quarterback if he couldn't run. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? I don't I don't mean national championship level. I just mean I don't know what job he wins if Book couldn't run. I just think he's so good with his legs, and that, that's the key to his ability to throw the ball, too.
0: It's a huge part of his game, and I thought it was interesting Brian Kelly talking about RPOs, but it's PROs. It's pass, yeah. then run. And so with Tommy Reese, they have less design runs because they know he is going to run, um, you know, scramble off of things. So I thought it was interesting. It's a huge part of his game. Uh, it's an asset, and it shouldn't be denied. It's who he is. That's why um, That's why we're talking about inclusion. I, he's not going to win a Heisman, but I think he's doing enough for the number two team in the country that if he beats Clemson again – because the voting doesn't occur until after that, he could very possibly be included in in that group.
1: Pin and pull. What is going on with Tariq Bracey? Is there a chance anyone else passes him on the depth chart?
0: I assume this question means, um, I mean, Clarence Lewis has passed him on the depth chart. Right. I I assume the question from pin and pull is, is there somebody to beat out Bracey for the number two spot? I I don't think so. And there just really isn't. Cam Hart is is a boundary corner. I don't really know where he is in his progress because he hasn't been playing lately. And then you're talking about uh, Isaiah Rutherford, who has not progressed, obviously hasn't right. progressed enough to even get on the field. Uh, and then Henderson and offered. And I, I mean, that, no, I, I, right. I, I said the other day that I still think Tariq Bracey has a lot of good football left in him and is going to be a good player for Notre Dame. I'm not sure that we can use that 80-yard run as a, as a, an example of whether good or bad, but he just kind of got pushed out of the way, and it, the the optics of that play look really bad for Tariq Bracey.
1: And in fairness to fans uh, that are bagging on Bracey, if you are benched, you've got to make that play as a backup that doesn't want to be out there. It doesn't matter. that Absolutely. You're, you're not protecting yourself anymore, man. You're not matter that right. time back. That is.
0: It's six minutes to go in the game, and it's getting cold is not an excuse.
1: No, that's an excuse for <laughs> Kyle Hamilton, who would be on the bench in those situations. It is not an right. excuse for
2: Trey Pracy right now.
0: Question from Packy P. Do you think the Notre Dame administration changes their stance on joining the ACC as a full-time member?
2: I don't.
1: I do not.
0: I do not either because we just interviewed Jack Swarbrick a couple yeah. weeks
1: ago and he said no. I read it. But Packy P is a subscriber, so you can't even say that to I him. know. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I was just making sure you knew that he was a I've already,
0: I've already reached my quote on saying that in a, in a podcast, so I'm not going to say that anymore. I apologize for that. Uh, Kaiser Wilhelm, for all the attention being paid to Clark Lee, is there any chance that Tommy Reese gets poached after only one season as offensive coordinator, the NFL – Seems obsessed with finding and hiring the next Wonderkind I mean, wonderkind
2: If
1: that uh, the NFL comes calling for Tommy Reese, I'm not going to stand in his way because that would be quite a payday. <laughs> so Tommy Reese needs to move on to the NFL. More power to him. But I don't think Tommy Reese is leaving after one year is enough as an offensive coordinator. No, but I don't. He will be a, he's of course he's all the playoff teams with young bright coordinators or old bright coordinators are poached or approached to be poached by teams in need that can give them head coaching jobs or, or raises. It's- yeah,
0: I, I don't I, – now, you know, like if the NFL came with a payday, then you have to do that. But I think Tommy Reese needs to be smart and needs to be careful in a similar way to the Clark Lee has been only – Clark Lee's 10 years older than him yeah. and has a much longer uh, resume. But uh, that's going to happen. I mean, Tommy Reese – I do believe that Tommy Reese is going to be a head coach in his early 30s. He's 28 right now.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think that's the good way of saying it. Thirty-two, thirty-three, he's a head coach. By 32-33, he's a head coach.
0: Right. And and uh, Lance Taylor's name has come up with the uh, South Alabama job.
2: Also but, worthy of head coach too. He's, right.
0: I mean, what he got? What he gonna do? I mean, if that if that happens, it it, it happens. I, there isn't much you can do about that.
1: From Harry. How much of the success Notre Dame is having should be credited to Matt Bayless and his staff. Did did something else disappear? This is just from Harry.
0: Uh, yeah. I took away his last name because I thought it was inappropriate for. Oh, okay, uh, gotcha. This
1: one's from Harry. could be my friend's. how do you know that? <laughs> I just oh, cause you think you know him. my screen right here. So Harry, no, it's not my friend. Harry uh, asks how much of the success Notre Dame is having should be credited to Matt Bayless and his staff. He seems to have changed these tough gentlemen into some physically, mentally strong and well-conditioned dudes. I like the tough gentleman.
0: Yeah. Uh, How much, I don't know that I can put a percentage on, but he has a hell of a lot to do with it. A hell of a lot to do with it.
1: Look, he has a hand in Mike Elston's great defensive line. He has a hand in Clark Lee's defense and their approach. He has a hand in the offensive line's development, the running backs and the tight ends, craziness and willingness to block. And every single player you talk to from 2016, 17 says, when Matt Bayless got here. And there's a reason for that. He yeah,
0: people people talk about really Clark brilliant. Lee getting a race. Matt Bayliss, Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I can put a percentage on it, and you know, it's a it's a combination of coaching and 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 what Matt Bayless has done. But
1: it sure is. Done they a, were soft as butter before Matt Bayless got here. So this is this is a change. It is. Fan, it's a, impressive. It really. I is. I mean, th-
0: just think about think about how much better the offensive line is this year than last year. I mean, it's, the put. Yeah. The push that that offensive line has gotten, and and again, part of that is is blocking scheme, which was altered by Tommy Reese and Brian sure. Kelly. So yeah, I, I can't put a percentage on, but Matt Bayless has done an absolutely tremendous job. Terry Benedict, okay. let's be bold. At, I'm sorry, you had something else to say nope. about that, Tim? Okay. Terry Benedict, let's be bold and say Notre Dame loses to Clemson in the ACC championship game in a similar fashion to the way Syracuse lost to Notre Dame with a similar score. Does Notre Dame still get into the playoffs? If so, would you really pit Notre Dame against Clemson for a third time? 45-21
2: to 21 and never close in the second half.
0: <clears throat> We're leading uh, for six minutes in the second quarter.
2: You know, I don't think they get in.
0: I think it's really difficult because you can't blame the committee if right. something similar happens in Notre Dame and say, look, we've been down this road before. I realize it's a different cast of characters on the playoff committee, but it makes it difficult. I do not expect that to happen. I
2: don't either. But I, I think do.
0: everybody should be disappointed if that happens. Yeah. Winning a rematch is extremely difficult under any circumstances. And so, you know, I mean, Notre Dame needs to play well. Notre Dame should play well. They won the trenches in the yeah. game on November 7th. That in itself. 27-14. They
1: have a chance. Uh, in the fourth quarter, to cut it to twenty-seven, twenty-one, but they get in, I think they get
0: in. Know. There's too much gray area and just yeah. throwing out a number. Yeah, I know what you're saying, Tim, but there's too. You need to see an, a complete game unfold. It's like saying, "Well, when do you put the backups in against Syracuse?" Well, it was a little bit difficult. And Brian, at a certain point, Brian Kelly just said, "Hell with that. We're gonna. We're just gonna play. We're gonna finish this out on a strong note, knowing we had two weeks to to play."
1: What if Notre Dame beats
2: Clemson in double overtime, thirty-one? 28, does Clemson get in? No. Alabama beats the Living Daylights no. out if of Florida, Clemson,
0: No, if Clemson loses to Notre Dame a second time, no.
2: So A&M gets in
1: a- ahead of Clemson?
0: Yes. Now, a has –
1: You know what? They only lost to Alabama, so that would be relatively fair. Right. They only lost now, AM
0: Alabama. has – they close at Tennessee, but this weekend they have Mississippi at Texas A&M. You're going to be challenged by Mississippi's yeah. offense, so yeah. they've got to be a little bit careful about that. But you know, I don't know. We're <sighs> I I enjoy talking about about speculating about these things, but there's so much that you gain by watching the, the a game unfold that it's just so difficult right. to paint a scenario that gives you an accurate depiction of what you're going to see. But if Clemson loses a second time to Notre Dame? No, they shouldn't be in. Should they?
2: Probably not. Probably Even not. If it,
0: a
1: double overtime, overtime losses to the second best team in the country and Florida's, okay, man, let's assume Alabama beats the Daylights out of Florida like they're going to. People gotta quit talking like, what happens if Florida beats Alabama? I don't know. What happens if Notre Dame beats the Cowboys? It's not gonna happen either. So let's quit talking about Florida right now. Let's say Florida gets beat by Alabama like a drum. a and I guess A&M's in because they lost to Alabama. I was just trying to paint a scenario where uh, Alabama could take uh, play Clemson in the semifinal,
0: so what? Cincinnati gets in ahead of a two-loss Clemson.
2: Jeez. Maybe that's
0: uh, maybe I should stop talking and I don't know. realize how ridiculous that sounds.
1: Yeah, I probably said the wrong thing, but oh well. Anyway, I hope that's a double overtime game, and Notre Dame wins, and we have to figure this out. I'll let the committee figure it out for us. Ryan Seth Koyak other than beating Clemson once and maybe twice, why is Ian Book getting Heisman hype? Not to knock what he's done this year, but he's the least impressive statistical QB of the top four teams, not to mention what Kyle Trask at Florida and Devontae Smith at Alabama have done. What am I missing?
0: Well, I'm the one that's been saying that he shouldn't, even, that's silly to consider him for the Heisman. Now, but having said that, he, I mean, he completely is the least impressive st- statistical QB of the, the four. Does Mac Jones? I mean, Mac Jones's numbers at Alabama are outstanding as well. Devontae Smith should, should be in the Heisman, should be a finalist for the Heisman. Obviously Kyle Trask could be what, what Ryan Sacko, I guess is missing is that Ian book is the driving force behind the number two team in the country. He does it with his arm. He does it with his legs. He does it with his leadership. he, I mean, it, 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 what's missing is the intangible qualities that he has brought to this football team and that he's the driving force behind a 10-0 football team ranked number two in the country.
1: He is better than his statistics. He is not better than those guys <laughs> at college football right now, I don't think, individually speaking. No, and
0: the Heisman, I mean, yeah. the Heisman is is an individual award Agreed. and should be.
1: It should be, and it's. I think the fact that Ian Book in a month and a half put himself in a conversation where somebody actually brought that up. And other than you shaking your head and going, nah, I don't think so. It wasn't the craziest thing ever. The numbers are just incredible.
0: Well, plus, plus we're adding the fact we're, we're assuming that he beats that Norton's on the winning end of, of beating Clemson again.
1: Yeah. I mean, but you still, you're still, you're still going with Trask and Devante Smith and others. I mean, look, sure. But, but if they Lawrence, you can make any argument you want because Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in the country and he's not gonna win the Heisman because he missed too many games. Right. I'm with Dabo Sweeney on that one. Like what are we really saying here? Trevor Lawrence is still the best quarterback in the country. Right. But right. he's not gonna win the Heisman either, and neither is Ian Book. But if Ian Book beats Trevor
2: Lawrence and eliminates Clemson, as we just said from the playoffs, he is the most influential player this season.
0: Then he should be then he should be included.
2: Yeah. But and I don't
0: who know that that's going to be a virtual Heisman trophy Trask
1: anyway, has, right be, Trask has had a tremendous year and if he was Notre Dame's quarterback people would be screaming bloody murder that some guy named Ian Book at Florida that has all these intangibles is in the conversation with Kyle right. Trask so right. I, yeah let's we'll remove book from that part of the conversation
0: dbz1 are there any formation tendencies you think Notre Dame needs to break in the Clemson game
1: i don't know about formation tendencies but you know that short crossing route and drag they run all day long to Michael Mayer and Javon McKinley and Ben Skironic I would absolutely love them to hit something behind that because Brent Venables is going to take that away. He is going to bring well, someone up and take it out like Syracuse did a little bit. Syracuse early.
0: did Syracuse did, it's another reason why I'm so impressed by Tony White and and what that Syracuse they took Michael Mayer away. Those guys aggressively got into his lower body and I mean you we all year we expect him to break that tackle. Yep. He hasn't done that. Now that's that that's a good point, and I think that's a tendency to take away. But in formations, I'm not going to get into everything that I saw. But Tommy Tommy Reese, Brian Kelly, the offensive coaching staff continues to come up with different wrinkles every week, and they did against Syracuse. So I don't that that formations. I, I, I I don't know. I don't think that they're they have to change anything there per se. They've used those three tight end bunches, but they keep doing different things with those three tight end bunches or sometimes um I Skoronic, I can't think of scaronic yeah, yeah, no, yeah sometimes we'll say it for me then will yeah, you next don't, it
2: was, yeah. don't
0: leave me hanging like that.
1: They have gone to the three I remember tight Joe
0: in. Theismann playing so
1: <laughs> yeah the three tight end and scaronic has become a thing that they realize right and he's, he's
0: tight, in like it, like tight right. end right So I don't think formations but some some tendencies like that one. I think that's a good point on your part.
2: Doc Irish, Justin Ross. Really?
0: I don't know. We're going to find out. Uh, I mean, he's going to have to take contact, and you don't want to see that, do you? I,
1: that. I hope he comes back and has a heck of
2: a two thousand twenty-one and a yeah, great career. Yeah, I mean,
0: he's still got. He's still. I mean, we're talking uh, twelve days from the game, and he's got to prove that he can handle everything physically.
1: I think it will be really hard.
0: Contact-wise.
1: I think Bell Sweeney mentioned that like, no, he's just he's coming back and he's he's work, he can play some football now. Like not like I mean this is gonna be the
0: Well didn't he leave the door open a little bit?
1: He did, but think about what he has to overcome to play in a game like that. That is
0: Yeah. Well, obviously the spinal okay. injury is healed.
1: Yeah. Or There's so much time be- of not getting hit and everything. I think yeah. Notre Dame has bigger concerns. Than Justin Ross if he plays, I think. Um, but I don't want the storybook season of Justin Ross to I have Justin Ross issues when I when I watched Notre Dame games from the past. So I don't if Justin Ross is out there, I think everybody should be a little afraid.
0: Yeah, that's that's not good. But but it it wouldn't be the Justin Ross that we saw two years ago.
2: No, I can't imagine how
0: not at not at this point of his recovery. Hooks Orpic, Bigger concern for Clark Lee. Trevor Lawrence spreading the field and picking apart the defense with his vision and arm or Lawrence using his legs to stress the defense on the edges and op- open up more through the ground game.
2: It's both,
1: which is why Lawrence is the best quarterback in the country, but it's the latter for me. If I have to pick one, it, I, I don't want Trevor Lawrence running loose like he did against Ohio state to get them back in that game. Because then I do think it opens up Travis Etienne, and then it opens up everything else. Cause Lawrence, if you're, if you got to worry that much about Trevor Lawrence, like other teams worrying about Ian book, well, then, put a Howard on Ian Book. That's that's what it would be like. Put an amazing arm on Ian Book.
0: Okay. Well, now, what would your answer be if Alusu Koromoa squared him up five minutes into the game? I mean, he's, because I don't because I don't think he's I don't think he's cutting the edge there too often after that.
1: No, I don't either. But he's uh, <coughs> Trevor Lawrence proved his toughness in the playoff last year against Ohio State. That was a that was a heck of a performance by someone that had to beat Ohio state with his, they got a, they got a very fortunate targeting call that helped it out. But he, he thereafter really proved his toughness. He was not just standing back there and picking <clears throat> people apart in a clean pocket.
0: Yeah. But if we U- can throw for 439 yards, Trevor Lawrence certainly can as well. I, it's an interesting question. It's a good question. I I encourage hooks Orpic to ask more in the future because I, I I mean, it's pick your poison. I, the, the, I still think that the, I, I still think that Trevor Lawrence's arm is the most poisonous part of his game.
2: Definitely is. definitely is. It's
0: hard. It's hard not to it's hard not to come to that conclusion.
2: Woj to God. And that's Woj as in Wojciechowski, maybe. I think that could be him. Steve Wojciechowski? No. I was convinced
1: that Notre Dame winning the first game against Clemson would give the Tigers all a revenge momentum in a rematch. It seems that most national media just assume that Clemson will win with Trevor Lawrence and the defensive players back. How do you guys see that aspect of the game?
0: Well, Trevor Lawrence makes a difference. I mean, just as savvy and his, And again, I go back to Clemson scoring 13 points in the first half against Notre Dame in, on November 7th, and I, I think he's going to throw the football downfield. I think he has a better chance of having – the right touch, uh, although Uyangalele hit a deep ball early against Notre Dame. Um, but still, I come back to Tim who won Notre Dame's offensive line beat their defensive line, and Notre Dame's defensive line beat their offensive line. The difference is Patterson out, Tyler yeah. Davis in, but <clears throat> you know, man, I third down conversions, special teams, That's right turnovers, all those went in Notre Dame's favor. So Clemson has to have, has to reverse things in a big way, starting at the line of scrimmage first and foremost.
1: No, I agree. I think that um, Notre Dame's defensive line will win again too. It's front seven and defensive line will win again. You mentioned the Tyler Davis Patterson thing. That's because if that's a stalemate, remember what we said all off season, Notre Dame's offensive line has to be the best line on the field that day to be Clemson. And they were, Will they be the best unit on the field this time against Clemson? I still think they have to be to be Clemson.
0: No, I would agree. And you still have four year, four year, five starters. Yeah. And I,
1: you can't. I, I guess you could draw if your defensive line is the best over Clemson because we've seen what Notre Dame can do with some playmakers now, and they've, found, they've carved their niche. But
0: and Dame, all but things,
2: Clemson, I, not loose.
0: I know you and Samson were different. You differed on. Uh, with me on this but all things being equal if Corel and Lug are both healthy I thought Norheim was going to choose Lug uh, against North Carolina and then it, it became moot when uh, when Kramer had the appendectomy
2: Right right
0: who do you th- who do you think if they're I both think they're healthy and ready-
1: Lug but it's part of its the ankle I think they'll choose Lug I think Correll's ankle is no, but the i mean,
0: top. no I'm asking you to say say Carell's healthy he's healthy and ready to go and Lug's healthy and ready to go
1: I think they go with Lug this time.
0: I think they do too. I think that they could possibly make a change at some point during the game as well. Cause I do, I do really like the way that Corral played.
2: Uh, yeah. Against no, North, I, North I,
0: Carolina. Yeah. And we're going to wrap up with a question that has been on my mind for quite some time now uh, from club Fred 90. If Notre Dame does not win another game this season, would you consider the season a success?
2: If that
1: was on your mind last Friday. I could answer your give the answer for you, but after beating Syracuse, if they do not win a postseason game, I think they have to win one postseason
2: game for it to be considered a success. Either one, either postseason game.
0: Yeah, I mean I know how fans will react. <laughs> so I mean, the, so the so how we answer it doesn't really matter. I know how fans will react. I I think what they've accomplished up to this point in a COVID year, the it's way they've put. The way they've played has been spectacular, um, but I tend to agree with you, Tim. I mean, you you got you got to get to the pl- you, you've got to get to the playoffs. You've got to win. And
2: if you, to-
0: you either have to win, you either have to beat Clemson, or if you lose to Clemson, you've got to win the first round game. The problem is, if you lose to Clemson, you're probably going to be a fourth seed, and then you face that that juggernaut in uh, down in
2: Alabama. Yeah, that is the biggest drawback to losing a one-point game to Clemson, is your next team would be Alabama. It's, that's that's
1: <laughs> that's a rough, yeah. that's a tough road to hoe. Yeah. Clemson gets to avoid that if they beat Notre Dame. <laughs> Their first yeah. matchup would be somebody else. It's a success, but the bar has been raised. The, if you ask the players and the coaches that, right now they'd say, no, we better win more games than that. They want to. I mean, come on, you have to win a game now. This but is the, they're at the apex. You can't just crap out on the season now, right? No,
0: no, I, I, I agree. But the reality is if you want to go undefeated and win the national title, you're probably going to have to beat Clemson, Ohio state, and Alabama.
1: All right. Well, we didn't say that. I just got to win one more game. So go <laughs> now ahead. I'm co- now I'm
0: complicating somebody
1: it. Somebody else. And then you see what happens with Alabama.
0: What would you think if Nordane beat Clemson, Ohio state, and Alabama and win the national title? We were
1: talking about that. Uh, there's a, on the message board, the Irish illustrated message board, uh, today, someone said, would it be the best season ever? Um, and I think they were going on with all sports and everything. Of course, it wouldn't be that. But 88 was the best one I saw, obviously, where they beat one, two, three, and 9 at the time of the game in the season. And those teams finished 2nd, 4th, 5th, and 7th in the regular season. Because uh, actually, two of them played, Michigan and USC. So USC lost again only because they played Michigan, who Notre Dame also beat, which is... One, two, three, and nine against what would be one,
2: three, <laughs> three, and one. One, three, three, and one. See, I got, I, I mean, West
0: Virginia was in there, and West Virginia right. had a really, really good team, but come on now, man. We're not talking about, we're talking about beating Clemson twice, yes. Ohio State, and Alabama. That would be.
1: At one, three, three, and one. Because if they beat Clemson, that's how I have to go. Brian down.
0: Kelly might retire. I might retire from covering Notre Dame with a finish <laughs> like that.
1: Yeah. Well, either that or, as I said, when they were uh, they got us both in the press box. Jack and Aaron Horvath was walking by, and he said, "Glad to have you both in here." I was like, "Yeah, I wouldn't mind uh, the next three either." And I'll sit out the Toledo game if you want to get me in the next three press boxes, so I can. Uh, there you go. I'll give my seat up for Toledo and, and Cincinnati. I'll give my Cincinnati seat up next year too. There's no problem. There
0: you go. All right, we are going to come back for a podcast on Thursday, right? We've agreed upon that. We will be back on Thursday. So uh, plenty of opportunities ne- this coming Thursday, next Monday, next Thursday, talk about Notre Dame and Clemson. We will, we will have every possible question about Notre Dame and Clemson by the end of next Thursday. So had fun, Tim. Thanks. Hope to get Pete Sampson back for the next one. We should, we will get Pete Sampson back for the next one on, uh, on Thursday. Thanks for joining us, Irish Illustrated Insider.
2: Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame Athletic.